Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you will, to a familiar story found in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I've titled the message this morning, You Can Be Used by God. You Can Be Used by God. Now, a lot of people say, well, I can understand how a song leader can be used by God. I can understand Pastor Lytel can be used by God. But no, I want you to know this morning that you can be used by God. I believe God is looking for people that he can use. I believe he's calling people to be used by him. But I'm afraid sometimes people don't answer the call. And oftentimes it's because of the fact they say, well, I can't do that. They say, Dr. Rasmussen, you were born in a pastor's home. I was not. Hey, my dad wasn't born. He was Grew up in an unsaved home. His parents, he believed he attended church two times in his life before he was 22 years of age. My grandfather's an agnostic. They didn't go to church on Christmas, Easter. They just didn't go at all. He thinks he went to a wedding or two, and that was it. He just didn't go to church. But God used him to pastor the same church for 50 years. God can use you. I've been in Northfield, Massachusetts, the home of D.L. Moody. Amazing story. His dad died when he was a young man. His dad was greatly in debt. So you know what happened? They sold every piece of furniture in the home. They even sold the firewood to help pay back that debt. And those kids were sent out to different people's homes. That worked out well because Moody ended up going to a home of someone who said, you can come here, but you have to go to church. And he had a Sunday school teacher by the name of Edward Kimball who came and witnessed to him when he was at a shoe store and led him to Jesus Christ. But he didn't come from a great background. Oh my, we could go on and talk about many others, but I just want you to know that you could be used by God. Look at our text this morning, 1 Kings 17. We're going to begin in verse number 8 and follow along with me as I read, if you would please. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for me and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And by the way, let me stop and say this. If we would just go and do what God tells us to do, that really is the secret to everything. She went and did. She went and did. That could be a sermon all by itself. And she and he and her house did eat for many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, means it didn't run out, 
Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the privilege of being here in Bonita Springs today. I thank you for a faithful pastor and faithful staff members and faithful church members who have stayed by the stuff. And Lord, I pray you'll bless this church. But Lord, I ask that you will speak to our hearts today. Lord, I do not know who this message is meant for, but Lord, I pray that every believer here will realize that you have a plan for them. We are to work for the night is coming, for night cometh when no man can work. Lord Jesus, I pray that we'll realize that we can be used by you. Satan will try to tell us we can't be used, but we can be used. And I pray that we will be vessels fit for the master's hand. Lord, I ask for your help this morning as I prayed yesterday, as I prayed today. I acknowledge publicly that I need your help. We know that every good and perfect gift comes from above. We know that in and of ourselves there dwells no good thing. And we hide ourselves behind the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask you for your help this morning. I pray that this will be a blessing and encouragement. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today who does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven, that that will be settled today. We pray these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I want to remind you that you can be used of God. I'd like to look at this passage in several ways this morning. And first of all, let's look at the woman that God chose to use. She's not the person I would pick if I needed some help. She was poverty stricken. She was a widow. She had a burden. How would you like to prepare your child's last meal? I mean, there was meal in her hand. She only needed two sticks to cook it. When our kids were growing up, I would often make them pancakes. They were very healthy. My son would like chocolate chips and pancakes, powdered sugar on it, and then syrup on top of that. Just bring on the insulin, right? But I know this. I never started with a handful of Bisquick. Are you kidding me? Let's start with two cups. An egg or two. A little buttermilk, that'll help you. But a handful of meal, that's all she had. She didn't have any more than she could draw from. That's all that she could pull on to feed her son. She said, I'm going to fix this little cake, a pancake, if you will. We will eat it, and then we will die. But ladies and gentlemen... God used her, and God could use you as well. When I think about the scriptures, I think about a lot of people that God used. And you know what? There's a lot of reasons why most of us would think God could not use them. God used Noah, and he got drunk. God used Abraham, and he was way too old. God used Isaac, he was a daydreamer. God used Jacob. He was a liar and a deceiver. God used Leah. She was ugly. God used Joseph. He was an abused brother. His brothers hated him. They envied him. They wanted to kill him. They let him off easy. They just sold him into slavery. You talk about a dysfunctional family. But boy, did God use Joseph. What a type of Christ as a son, as a servant, as a slave, but ultimately as a sovereign. And God could use you. 
God used Moses, and he had problems with stuttering. God used Gideon. He was afraid. The Bible has little vignettes of humor. He's hiding in a winepress threshing wheat, and the angel says, O thou mighty man of valor. Really? With a few other men, he defeated the Midianites in a miraculous way. God used him. Samson, disobedient to parents, long hair, and a womanizer. But God used him because it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We've got Rahab. She was a prostitute. Oh, by the way, in the lineage of Christ, you've got Rahab. You've got Tamar. You've got Bathsheba. God used them, and God can use you. God used Jeremiah and Timothy, and they were too young. And Timothy had stomach problems. I'm guessing ulcers. God used David. Wow. Adulteress? A murderer? Married seven times? And it says in 1 Samuel 13, 14, again in Acts 13, 22, that he was a man after God's own heart. He repented. He sought forgiveness. And God used him. And God could use you. God used Elijah. And he was suicidal. He wanted to kill himself. God used Jonah. He ran from God. God said, go this way. Jonah said, I'm going that way. Wow. It didn't even bother him. He got in the ship, disobeyed God, and went to sleep in the bottom. No problem. God woke him up. God used Naomi. Widows. She was a widow. God used Job. He went bankrupt. He lost it all. God used John the Baptist. He ate bugs. I mean, really now. Could you imagine him there in Campbell's skin and a leather girdle? Grasshopper hanging off his lip? What in the world? And yet he said, Behold the, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Amazing man. God used Peter. He's having a private prayer meeting with Jesus and he falls asleep. Then he denies Christ. He'd given one of the greatest speeches in all the Bible. They said, Jesus, whom do men say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. But later he says, I know not the man. By the way, you say, how discouraging. He later preached Pentecost. Think about that. 3,000 people were saved. God used Martha. She was a warrior. God used a Samaritan woman. Amazing story. Divorced multiple times, but God used her. She said, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. And the whole town came out to hear him. Something had changed in her life. God used Zacchaeus, and he was too small. You know the song, he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. God used Paul and he was too religious. And probably a mass murderer. Josephus believes he killed 2,000 people. 
Christians. But God used him. God used Timothy who had an ulcer and God used Lazarus and he was dead. God worked in him and through him. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both the will and to do his good pleasure. It's a great encouragement that God has a plan for my life. And God has a plan for your life as well. What a wonderful thing to be aware of. So we see first of all the woman that God chose. By the way, she wasn't even Jewish. The widow from Zarephath, the longing to Zidon. See, secondly, we see the work that God commanded. He said, make me thereof a little cake first. I don't know about you, but if I had a widow who had one last meal, I don't think I would ask for her food. We have a lot of people come to our home, and there's times my wife, we had about 13 or 14 people come over right the Saturday before graduation, and uh, sometimes she won't even sit down. She'll be serving them. If I saw a widow with one meal, I'd say, well, you take that. You, your son, take that. I'll, I'll get something somewhere else. But he said, no, give it to me first. You see, the Bible says God wants to be first in our life. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Put him first. Put the things of God first. Colossians says that in all things he might have the preeminence absolute first place it seemed calloused make me thereof a little cake first he asked for poverty by the way god doesn't want more than we have but he does want what we have the songwriter said it so well is your all of this altar of sacrifice laid does your all the spirit control does he have all of it years ago there was a little booklet called my heart christ home and we find that oftentimes we'll give God the living room and the family room and the bedrooms, but we keep that one little closet for ourselves. Something we won't let go of. But He wants it all. He wants us to be a bondservant. One who willingly gives up his freedom and all that he has for the Master. Paul called himself a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he asked for poverty. He asked for what she had. I think of what it says in Mark chapter 14, verse 8. She had done what she could. Not more than she could, what she could. In Acts chapter 12, we see the angels come in to release Peter from prison. He was chained between two Roman guards. The angel released him from the chains. But he said to him, arise, dress yourself, shod yourself. Interesting. God will do for us what we can't not do. But he asks us to do what we can do. We could dress ourselves. We could put our shoes on. We can't get the chains off. He could do that for us. But are we doing what we can do for God? Do our neighbors know who our Jesus is? Do our coworkers know? We have, he keeps inviting me to church. What a wonderful thing. You say, but Dr. Rasmus said, I've invited people that haven't come. We're not responsible for results, only for obedience. Just invite them. Keep asking. He asked for poverty. He asked, secondly, for priority. I've had the privilege of preaching in Germany, a beautiful country, Germany and Austria and Switzerland, some of the prettiest countries in the world. 
If you go to Berlin, the capital of Germany, you will find there an art gallery. It's very similar to our National Art Gallery on the Mall in Washington, D.C., next to the Smithsonian and the Air and Space Museum. In Washington, D.C., I've been to that museum several times and looked at, there's a Rembrandt there. There's several paintings by Thomas Cole that show the seasons of life. Beautiful, beautiful paintings. But they were building this incredible art gallery in Berlin, and at that time, the greatest painter alive was a man by the name of Adolf Menzel. They don't use the name Adolf in Germany too much anymore. But Adolf was, by the way, it's a great lesson to us, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Menzel was born back in 1815. He died in 1905. A great, great painter. They said, we're building this museum. We want you to paint your magnum opus, your masterpiece. And we will hang it there. People will come to see it. They know you're a great painter. And he did paint a giant painting. It was about the size from the edge of the baptistry to the plant there. A huge painting. A giant canvas. And he said, I'm going to paint a picture of Frederick the Great. His aides, his generals, his adjutants. They stretched the canvas of the frame and he began to paint. Mrs. Crabb likes to paint. This was a really big painting. He started with the foreground and the background, and he had the sky in, he had the grass, the plants, the trees, and they began to work from the outside in. He had generals and aides. There was a dog, there was an officer on a horse. He got closer and closer and closer until all that he had left was Frederick the Great. The creator of what was called the Reich, or the Reign in Germany, the Second Reich. It was the First Reich, the Second Reich. Hitler was going to have the Third Reich, which only lasted 13 years. He got to Frederick the Great. He charcoaled in where he would be there, and then he died. The painting is there in the art gallery in Germany. But the person who the painting was all about is not in the picture. I wonder, friends, the person who our life is to be about, can he be seen in our life? Do people see Jesus in us? Or do we say, well, I'm going to get there, and when I have time, I'm going to serve the Lord. When I get time, I'm going to live to his glory and his honor. And God's word says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. I'm afraid that many times Christians come to the end of their life and they've never put Christ in his rightful place, which is right in the center. So he asked for her poverty, he asked for priority to be first. But then he asked, he said, I'm going to give you a promise. He said, if you'll do this, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail. He said, you can trust God, he will take care of you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus concerning you. But I know this, sometimes I tend to worry. What am I going to do about this? Or what am I going to do about that? Trust God. Cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. The flour and oil did not run out. God did provide for that widow and for her son. 
Far more than if she had taken that little bit of meal and oil and made a little cake. One of the greatest missionaries who ever lived was a man named Hudson Taylor. There's a few missionary biographies that are must-reading for any Christian, and one of those is called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secret, written by his son-in-law, Howard Taylor. A great, great book. Hudson Taylor wrote this, and I quote, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well his children will wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. He said this, We do not expect that he would send three million missionaries to China. But if he did, he has ample means to sustain them all. Depend on it. Listen now. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Let me repeat that again. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. Do we really believe God's word which says give and it shall be given unto you? Good measure, pressed down and overflowing. Shall men heap at your bosom? God said, if you'll give, I'll give back to you. My dad used to always say, he says, we shovel it out and God shovels it back. And God has a bigger shovel than we do. I believe that to be the case. And we can trust him. But then we see the wonder that God performed. I'd like to give you a statement I hope you remember this morning. God honors obedience with abundance. God honors obedience with abundance. I believe with all my heart, ladies and gentlemen, that you cannot outgive God. I've read the stories of people like Russell Anderson, who started out, never finished high school in a coal mine, and first gave God 10%, and then 20 then 30 until finally he was giving God 90% of his income. It gave God's work tens of millions of dollars in his lifetime. Letourneau, the famous earth movie equipment, started with 10%, 20 and 30 and 40 and ultimately gave 90% of his income. He cannot give God. Dr. Lee Robertson, the founder of Tennessee Temple University and the pastor of Highland Park Baptist Church for so many years, where they saw 60,000 people get baptized, gave 50 cents on every dollar in the offering in the missions. God bless on an amazing way. You can't outgive God. Lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and dust don't corrupt and where thieves don't break in and steal. I really believe that verse, and I may understand it better than most here. Our church, since 1994, has built $70 million worth of buildings. 70. Every year we have a big offering. But like tell it hit me after about five years, this is never going to stop. Another big offering. I'll never forget the first time we were sitting around a conference room with a team, leadership team, and pastor said, I hope all you guys will give at least 10000 in the offering. I said, what in the world? The largest offering I'd ever given above my tithe that faith promises was $1,000. I went home and told my wife, I said, pastor said to the leadership team, we got to all give at least 10000 in the offering. My wife said, well, why don't we pray we can do that? What in the world? These offerings have come. I've been there for 22 years now, and when we first moved there, we had just sold the house. We gave part of the equity of our home. We've given some stocks. We've given mostly cash. I bought some silver bars. I gave them at a bad time. It was $4 an ounce. I'd save those for our time. We gave those an offering. And one year, we just didn't have anything to give. We had no stocks. I think we had about four or $500 in our checking account. I said, Lord, we just don't have anything to give. 
And the Lord said to me, well, what about your jewelry chest? And for men, that's where we just kind of store stuff. You know, we get in it like twice a year. And I've worn this ring every day for 38 years. And this ring I've worn for 20 years. It's a West Coast ring the pastor gave Dr. Getch and I in 1999. I went over that jewelry chest. I had my high school ring in there. My mother had given it to me. It had my name engraved in it. I'm not going to wear that again. I had my dad's high school ring. I had a ring I wanted to give my son someday. I had two very nice pair of cufflinks. You can probably tell by looking at me, I'm not a real big bling guy. I had never worn them in Lancaster. One had a gold Krugerrand on each side. That's a quarter ounce of gold. So the gold alone was worth about $600 in it. Another pair of Art Deco cufflinks. And I had a roll of Morgan silver dollars in there. I was saving for a rainy day. I put those all thing in the dresser. I decided to get my high school ring. I remember tagging it. I said, this is 14 karat gold, not 10 karat. Most jewelry is 10 karat gold. Pure gold's 24 karat, but it's too soft. You have to put some base metal to make it harder. I know they would take that and sell it and put the money in the offering, but I wanted to know it was 14 karat, not 10 karat. I put that in and I gave the cash we had and I forgot about it for about three months. Because about three months later, our house got robbed. They took the whole jewelry chest. I've never seen any of those things again. And can I tell you what I thought? I wish I had given more. I wish I'd given more. And I believe, ladies and gentlemen, someday we're going to get to heaven. We're going to say, I wish I'd given more. Of our time, our talent, our treasure. Vacation Bible School is coming up. They could use your help. The choir was great this morning. Instrumentals, but you know what? There's more seats. There's more seats. Say, so I've done my time, and I know that here in Florida, many of you are retired, and that's a wonderful thing. I talked to a gentleman this morning, taller than me. I don't see that often. I said, what are you retired from? He said, designing cars. He said, I worked on the Dodge Viper. I said, I rode in one of those one time. I didn't fit. I didn't kind of duck my head down, but I, I drove to that. Can I say this? It's a wonderful thing if you could retire from your occupation. But nowhere do I see that we retire from our avocation, which is to serve God. Keep serving. God can use you. God has a plan for your life. So, we see the wonder God performed. He honored obedience with abundance. The more she poured, the more she had. The more she used to bake, the more she had. And again, we see here the simplicity in verse 15 of her obedience. She went and did. Will you obey when God asks you to do something? I love the story of Samuel taken to the temple as a young boy by his mother Hannah who had had God bless her and her barren womb was open and she was given a son. She said, God, if you give me a son, I'll give back to you. And by the way, everything that God gives to us, we are stewards. We don't own it, it's his. It belongs to him. And God spoke to him. He said, Samuel, Samuel. And he went in to see Eli. He said, yes, Eli, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Here's the name Samuel. And he went to Eli. Eli said, now, Eli wasn't a good father. He lived to be almost 100 years of age. And when his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were killed, the ark of God was taken. He fell over backward and broke his neck. But he did realize that God was calling. And he said to Samuel, next time you hear that, say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. 
Speak, Lord, thy servant here, that if you want to be used by God, can I challenge you to listen for God's impulse in your heart? Obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who could I encourage today? Who could I be a blessing to today? Who could I help today? Remember, Jesus went about doing good. I've only spent two nights in a hospital in my life since I was born, and one of those was about a week and a half ago. I had my gallbladder out. Surgery was on Friday. I was awakened on Saturday, and I found out there was somebody in my Sunday school class on the same floor of the hospital. I went down to see him. Yes, I held the robe closed. Don't you worry. It was George Smith. He was 92 years of age. I saw him a week ago yesterday on Saturday. I'm so glad I went to see him because last Tuesday he passed away. 92 years of age, an usher, a choir member, served thousands of meals to our college students for no pay in the dining hall. Let's do what we can do while we can do it. I didn't know that would be the last time I'd see him alive. I held his hand. I prayed for him. I thanked him for being faithful. I'm so glad I saw him when I could. But I haven't always done that. I've missed opportunities. Sometimes the Lord will say, hey, reach in your pocket, take out a gospel track, and go let those people know who Jesus is. And even at 62 years of age, sometimes that's an awkward feeling. But God's word says, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I wonder who is it in a convalescent home that needs a visit for you this week? What shut-in needs a visit for you this week? Who could you encourage us? What missionary could you email this week? Be a blessing. Obey the impulse of the Holy Spirit. God can use you. Will we obey when God speaks? Years ago, there was an English preacher by the name of Archibald Rutledge, and there was a man in his church in England who came to him and said, Pastor, did you hear what happened to me? And Mr. Rutledge said, no. This man who was a woodcutter who would chop wood for buildings said, every day I'd go into the forest to cut wood. My faithful dog would always go with me. When I got out there into the forest, I would take off my coat, I would put it over my lunchbox, I would tell the dog to sit there and guard the lunch. I always brought some food for him as well, and then when lunchtime came, when the sun was at its zenith in the sky, I would stop and take a break, I'd go over to him, and we would share lunch together. He said he was a faithful dog, he was an obedient dog, but he said one day, a fire got started in the forest. The wind was blowing, and it began to blow, and he goes, I knew it was blowing towards where my dog and my lunch and my coat were. He goes, I called to the dog, but the dog didn't, didn't hear me or didn't answer. I told the dog to stay there. And finally, the fire burned through, and he said this, with tears running down his coarse, weather-beaten cheeks. He said, Pastor Rutledge, I knew what I would find. He went back there, and he found his dog burned to death, laying on top of the lunchbox. He was obedient. He was faithful to the end. He heard his master's voice. He obeyed his master. My friends, I don't know what your master wants you to do. But can I challenge you to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit? Can I challenge you this morning and remind you that you can be used by God? If God could use this little widow from Zarephath, he could use you as well. He loves you. He gave himself for you. 
And my friends, we were saved to serve and not saved to sit. I commend you for being in your place this morning. You're obeying the word of God, which says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the man of some is. You're right where you should be. But what is it that God wants us to do as we leave these doors and go out into the mission field? Because God has a job for each and every one of us to do. I hope you realize that you can be used by God. I close this morning by saying this, if perchance there's someone here who does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I tell you, friend, you can't serve God. The Bible says that even the plowing of the wicked is sin. If I were to tell you the person I think who did more, quote, good works than anyone I know of in the 20th century, her name was Mother Teresa. An unbelievable life, but you know what she said in her biography? She said, I hope I did enough good works to go to heaven. But the Bible says, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. If that's what she's depending on, she's not in heaven today. She may be called a, quote, saint, but it's not of good works. No, we're just sinners saved by grace. But once we get saved, we ought to work for God. That's what the book of James tells us. We're not saved by our works, but once we are saved, we are to work. And so perchance you do not know the Lord as your Savior today, I challenge you to take care of it today. The Bible says these things have I written that ye may know that ye have eternal life. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. We can know so. I know my name is Mark Rasmus, and I live at 439 Street East. I know my wife of 38 years is May 26, is Suzanne Rasmus, and I know that. I know our children, Amy, Elise, and Mark. One lives in Thailand, one lives in Tempe, and one lives in uh, Andrews, North Carolina. I, I know that. I know where they live. And I know that God wants me to serve him. And friends, I know God wants you to serve him as well. You can be used by God. Let's pray this morning. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239 947-1285. Thank you and God bless.